on this week's episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Mike McGann, founder of I Am Productions, the video production and social media experts who make pretty decent content. Mike is an outspoken and candid and very influential brand authority. Mike, absolutely thrilled, honoured and humbled to have you on my show. Um, obviously, you're a bit of a phenomenon, or you were, on LinkedIn. I'd like to delve into a bit more about that, about what happened there. Um, but you've got a lot of presence, a lot of following, and I loved your Entrepreneur Series. There's, the, there's, there's so much I want to talk to you about. Like I asked all my guests on the Purpose of Leadership podcast, I'd love you to go back as far and as deep as possible, even from your school days onwards, and just talk to us about your journey and the adversity and just, just, just walk us through from, from now, from there to now? Um, yeah, so I'm the son of a soldier. My dad's uh, basically went whole career through the army. Um, uh, started off as a, you know, infantry, went right through, become a commissioned officer, captain, major, and probably worked 40 years in the army. So everybody pretty much that was around at that time was uh, going to join the army. Pretty much all my friends joined the army. But I went to boarding school from age seven. Um, while my family I was born in Germany while my family lived in Germany I went to boarding school in North Wales and pretty much from that day I've kind of been quite independent uh, from having to budget my own allowance I used to get £200 a month pocket money but I'd have to buy myself everything so like clothes um, shower gel shampoo sweets and stuff like that so from age 7 I was learning how to budget and then I was surrounded by people that were there that were paying at the time. It was 3000 or £4,000 a term to go there. Wow. Um, but the army contributed to that. I don't know if many people know that, but the army made the contribution. So I was probably one of the least well-off people there because right. we would have been able to afford to go there. But I was surrounded by people whose parents owned businesses. So yeah. from very early, I always thought I'd have my own business. Um I was the only one of three kids that went to boarding school for any sustained amount of time. My sister went there for sort of 12 months, but didn't really enjoy it. So she went back home, different school. So I was pretty much, even though I had siblings, I was like an only child in the sense that I had a different upbringing and different experience and mm. different education to those, uh, my brother and sister. Um, and I basically stayed there till I was 16, went to then high school, you know, sick form to do my A-levels, got um, three A-levels, and then went to London on my own, just packed up my car, drove down to London, and started in London at university. Four years I did, criminology degree. Um, I left university in London to go to John Moores because um, I got into a fight with somebody, and they they tried to stab me a few weeks later. They came to where I lived, they tried to stab me, so I left London. Wow. And moved, moved to Warrington, and I've been here ever since. Wow, that's um, good. Yeah, carry on. Um, so that was it, really. And then I just like dotted about, working in bars. Basically, the call centres in Warrington, if anyone knows Warrington, everybody works in call centres. There's so many call centres here. It's almost like the uh, coal mines for our generation. Got you. Um, so I worked in a call centre. It's the first time I ever got commission. So... I couldn't believe that I could double my money if I was just good at selling. Yeah. And then I basically really got into sort of telesales. I wanted to sit with the best people in the uh, call centre, learn what they did, and then just started to copy that and started to earn a decent amount of money and just got into investing, just started investing from early. So even when I was earning 14 grand a year, I was starting to invest my money into things. Mm. 
Um, so I just did that. And then I always decided or knew that I was going to have my own business. So yeah, I just quit my regular job and started to work in startups because I thought how better to learn business than actually work in startups and see what it was like. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did for six years. Quit while I was on 70 grand a year, just left my job um, and set up my own business, which was Learning Heroes, which then we grew for two and a half years, sold for eight million pounds to a Nasdaq company. Wow. So this was the one that I got the million pound exit, all the million pound exit from. And then I've just dicked about for a few years. And here I am now doing this. Amazing. Just on that That's last... my life in a nutshell. Well, wow. there's, there's loads there. But just on that last bit, you said um, you got it to 8 million, but you got a quarter of a million exit. Was that right? I just want to clarify that, that bit. No, no. Multi-million pounds exit. Right. Okay. Got the well, money up front. Congratulations on that. We'll, we'll delve we'll delve deeper into that. that that's that, that's a, that's a huge achievement. Can I just ask how old you are as well? What now? Yeah, thirty-seven. Wow. So you're still very very young. So so go, going back to. So I've done that at like thirty. What two thousand seventeen? I sold that business. Amazing. Congratulations. Was it an easy transaction in the end, or? Um, well, it's as easy as someone that doesn't know what they're doing doing it. Mm. I don't know if it was easy or hard. I've got nothing to compare it to. Right. It was stressful, but yeah. then inviting someone to come into your business and showing them the nuts and bolts of it without actually knowing whether they're going to hand you eight quid at the end is quite stressful because what was the mm. something copying us? Yeah. Um, but I always, it was a three-year plan. I always knew that we were going to sell that business. I actually wanted 10 million. Right. Um, but my idea, I had a date in mind and I had a figure in mind, um, but I sold it for earlier than expected, six months earlier yeah. and uh, slightly less. But the timing was right for personal reasons. I didn't want to be known as e-learning boy. You know, I don't even like e-learning. You know, they say follow your passion and stuff. I couldn't care less about e-learning. It's bullshit. Wow. It's just shit. But I just found a niche where I've got an idea for what works as a business. Mm. You can apply it to pretty much any niche if the conditions are right. Yeah. And then um, it suited the e-learning industry at that time. So I just went in there with a three-year plan. Yeah. The plan was just to steamroll the competition be aggressive with some uh, some competitors, be nice to other com- competitors, and then create comp- uh, competitive tension and then sell to one of those two, either to stop us killing their business or to supplement what they actually do. That was the plan. And so, I did it in two and a half years. It's a really interesting lens about the values and it seemed quite a transactional time of your life to get that money. I mean, on that, on that point... Yeah, what it was. Yeah, it's slightly different to what you're doing now, I think. But on that point then, getting that multi-million pound deal how did it make you feel um and is is was the money the most important thing then or what what, what was the sort of motive behind it was it just to what the motive to sell yeah just to give me the funds to do things that i was actually interested in that was Mm. it and i just thought well i can work uh doing other stuff that i don't enjoy and get paid so i was on 70 grand a year at the time i was 29 and then two weeks before my 30th birthday just thought oh, fuck this I don't feel ready now to yeah. run my own business but yeah. I've been working startups for six years to this point so I've done my learning and schooling for six years and got paid for it rather than paying a course to learn how to do business because that's bullshit yeah. you learn through experiences so I've done six years and I felt confident enough at that point that I might have a chance to be able to be successful not that I would be successful mm. and then I just thought what industry do does my model fit but I think I could do a three-year plan and I could make 10 million pounds and e-learning was it at the time. And yeah. um, that was it. So I'd had no experience in e-learning. I'd never, ever designed wow. e-learning. I'd never written an e-learning course. I'd never, but 
it was I just knew it was broken because if I wanted to learn something or know the answer to something, I would go on YouTube. Yeah. So I would go on YouTube and find the answer. So I thought, if that's how we learn every day in our normal life, why at work would we then try and teach employees in a completely different way? Why not just teach them in the way that they're used to, which is yeah. short, animated, explaining videos? So if you're doing a three-hour e-learning module on time management, mm. there's something broken with that system. Right. But if you show me three tips for time management, yeah. Yeah. I will watch that. So I thought, why isn't e-learning like that? And that's why I made e-learning in that style. Yeah. That makes a lot of that sense. That was it. So basically, your mindset was, I don't fucking enjoy this, but I know I can make a lot of money out of it. And, that, and you're, you're open and honest and aware enough to admit that. And it was a question, it was a vehicle for you to get to something that you wanted to do with your life, right? Well, isn't everything pretty much? Realistically, we'd all rather be doing other things. Yeah. Almost all of us would rather be doing other things. And I know people say follow your passion, but I, I don't believe in that at all. I think earn enough money to free up enough time so then you can do the things that you're passionate about. Got you. Got you. You know, I mean, don't get it wrong. Some people are passionate about caring for people mm. and you might want to join the NHS and work for the yeah. NHS and do that thing if that's your thing. Yeah. But, you know, like I would have looked at it like, well, I could go and start a business and earn 20, 30, 40 times that amount of money, free up enough time to be able to then care for yeah. people differently. I so it's I, that. Yeah, I mean, everyone, everyone's different, aren't they? Um, so going, going back to this, this kind of entrepreneur thing, you touched on the whole, you know, why do businesses have to kind of do this extended, elaborated thing when the answer's just there? Was that, is that your stuff on LinkedIn, the whole entrepreneur thing? Was that no, born the out? entrepreneur thing was just when I actually made this amount of money, I yeah. didn't know what to do. A worker, working class lad just told, don't come into work on Monday, by the way, here's, here's a few million quid. Right. You can go nuts. You can go yeah, mental. Yeah course spend it on hookers coke whatever like you, you can do all sorts and that's what yeah. a lot of people do do that's why yeah. three winners lose but the maddest thing is i used to see stuff and it was like how can you blow two million quid how can you blow five million quid it's mm. a lot easier than you think it really really is totally especially because we've never been told what to do with that amount of money so yeah yeah um i basically thought why don't i find some experts and see what they say get some advice from people that have been there and done it Mm. And while searching for these experts, I found there was a lot of people telling you how to scale your business to be worth eight figures, nine figures. Yeah. But they were sitting at their kitchen table at home <laughs> and that was their only business. They were self-employed. They didn't have a business. They'd never run a business, but they were telling you how to do yeah. something they'd never done. Mm. And I just thought, this is so weird. I'd never knew this industry existed. So I went to a few events and I noticed a lot of people on stage telling you how you can earn 1 million, 2 million, 3 million, how you can create a 10 million pound business in eight months by just following this plan. Yeah. And it blew my mind because <laughs> what they were saying was nothing like the experiences I had had. And I was somebody that actually achieved the things they were claiming to achieve. So I would do a bit of research on the people talking, yeah. often found out loads and loads of companies, never posted profit. Yet here they were telling Joe Blogs for 97 quid that, you know, they can totally. teach you how to make a 10 million pound business. So I just thought it was bullshit. So I just documented my journey of my two years after actually selling my business. Mm. And that was it. That's how the entrepreneur thing started. And then the entrepreneur formula was just, I kept hearing the same sales pattern from all these self-appointed yeah. gurus. Yeah, yeah. And I just thought, wouldn't it be interesting just to document that? And that was it. It kind of helps. Uh, I invested in loads of stuff. No, but it kind of 
it kind of helps if you're trying to advise people if you've done the thing uh, yourself that you're advising people on how to do it which you've done yeah like I do I get I get the argument that say Alex Ferguson wasn't the best footballer in the world but he might be arguably the best manager in the world like I get that yeah, but yeah. at least he played football and has achieved things as a manager totally you know and LinkedIn's full of these full of them oh, but man. so is I'd never heard of Gary Vee I'd never heard of I'd never heard of any of these people I wasn't yeah. even on social media um, bar LinkedIn so I'd never had Facebook ever in my life before right never had Instagram I've never been on any of these platforms yeah I didn't know who Gary Vee was I'd never read business motivational books I've never been mm. to like entrepreneur groups I've never joined a Facebook group why because I was too busy actually working on my business yeah and not, doing not talking business. about it actually doing exactly. it exactly yeah. and I think that that's the, the biggest problem and that's what the entrepreneur thing started Okay. How many gym motivational videos do you think The Rock watches before he goes to the gym in the morning? I bet he doesn't watch any. No, because he's too busy working out and doing his thing, isn't he? Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. that was it. And I found the world was full of too many people wanting to look like they were successful entrepreneurs and business people. Mm. And also, wasting that energy that could have been spent on actually achieving the thing they spoke about. That was it. There was that element to it, but also you're just candid, open. You'd call bullshit. You know, you'd call people out, which which I found amazing. So just, just if you don't mind, obviously this, this will go out on LinkedIn as well. You, you got, are you banned for life? What happened? How did it make you feel? How did it affect your business? Uh, well, so the, the biggest thing was I had a decent audience on there. I think it was like 86, mm. around about 86,000 people. Mm. Um, and it's where I built my old business on. Like the only platform I used to win business last for my learning heroes business was uh, content marketing through LinkedIn. So I signed up 340 corporate clients through LinkedIn in just two in two years. Um, and then it was that content that they'd seen that then people had seen that they wanted to buy our business. So um, for content marketing point of view, it's obviously it's a huge loss to lose that platform, but I wasn't naive enough just to have an audience on one platform. Yeah. Ideally, you want your own audience that sits on your own website and you've got your own mailing list. Definitely. Because then it's their platform, their rules. But the maddest thing about being banned from LinkedIn at the moment, which it's permanent, they're not allowing me back, is um, the post that got me banned was from an animated explainer video where an elf is looking at a computer and playing a computer game. Yeah. Um, that's it. And he sanitizes his hands and plays the computer game. Wow. Now, Jack, Jack, uh, who works here, Banner Boy Jack, uh, he does a lot of animations now. He made that animation, and that um, elf character is him. Really? So Jack did a post on LinkedIn that said, can you guess which character I am? Because he'd animated as all those different characters. Yeah. And I, I wrote the comment, um, are, you wanking, are you the one wanking to elf porn? That was it. <laughs> now, somebody yeah. reported that as harassment and bullying. Not Jack. Right. So somebody else yeah. has reported to LinkedIn that that's harassment and bullying, but not the person that was having the conversation. So me and Jack had, that was it. Yeah. I find it mad that LinkedIn is a platform. Yeah. I can now be offended on your behalf yeah. and get somebody else banned it's, on LinkedIn for it. I mean, so I asked them why, and at first LinkedIn wouldn't even tell me the content that got me banned, but asked me to promise I wouldn't post that content again. To which I asked the question, how can I promise not to post something or content of a certain nature when you're not willing to tell me what content it was? That doesn't make sense to me. It's stupid. It's a flawed system. So then they allowed, they allowed me back for an hour and then I was permanently banned because somebody else had reported me, uh, had reported some of my content. 
Right. So basically, as soon as I've been allowed back, someone anonymous has reported me again, and now my account's permanently gone. So 86,000 connections of uh, five years on the platform, creating right. original content, um, being one of the more popular yes, um, content creators um, to a lot of people. Definitely. Could be, so you can actually now target people and anonymous, anonymously right. report people, and they'll get permanently banned, which is madness. I think I think as you I think you describe it as a flawed system. I mean, I've been it trolled. Is. I've been trolled on a number of times, and they ban you for the most innocuous things. And and the one the, the actual people that cause harm and damage, they get away with this. I, I, I find this is a, an interesting thing. It's weird, really, because I should be massively anti this. And I hear like so mm. people say, "Oh, we should have a platform where you can say what you want," but quite all you know, you should be able to say what you want. Yeah. Or, but what these people mean sometimes, and they don't realise it is, say things that I agree with. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, so, like, let's just say I saw a post um, recently, uh, I saw some stuff about it, and it was that, it was a, a post about suicide, and someone had said, uh, you know, if you commit suicide, you're a loser, right? Wow. Fucking hell. Right. Which is, wow. Yeah. But, if that is that person's opinion. Yeah. That's right. Is that, quite, should they be like that? And this is, this, this is my point about it. So, yeah, my yeah. point is... Like, well, because now people go, that shouldn't be allowed. He should be banned from the platform. But then you're just as bad as, do you see what I mean? So it's freedom either. speech, isn't it? It's freedom of speech, basically. Yeah. So it's an interesting one, really. Yeah. And I find yeah. it quite a, an interesting topic because mm-hmm. common sense would say that guy's an idiot. Yeah. Mm. But if he's an idiot, sound like idiots exist. So should idiots not be allowed to voice their opinion? Yeah, I think I think when it's when it's controversially kind of like really provocative and kind of can can and it's definitely. But is that like like I don't like me personally? When you think about it, like yeah. one guy's opinion, he thinks if you because I know people that would say if you commit suicide, you're a coward. Mm. And that is quite a common thought. But but now we're saying, oh, yeah, that's out of order. He should be banned. But then everybody jumped on that guy saying, "You're a fucking idiot. I can't believe this." And this that's disgusting. Now yeah. they were getting punished for their comments. Yeah, but they were being actually. If you took that out of context, it's the same thing, isn't it? They're, they're their exactly versus his opinion. Exactly. So it's it's yeah. a, it's a difficult one. I think. Yeah, I don't but, think I should have been banned, but I do no. think I've said worse things and not yeah. been banned previously. So yeah, it's like you should be able to put out a post that you feel is your feelings as long as it isn't kind of you, you do have to be careful you've got the pronouns you've got the sexism you've got the gender equality stuff it, it's, it's quite a tricky ground to, to know what the boundaries are at the moment isn't it well well, well it, it's someone else's opinion who decides that's a big thing so say if uh, we don't know where linkedin um that reviews your content are based they could be based in india let's just say say they're based yeah. in india mm. um homosexuality and lgbtq all might be viewed differently in that country. So the person that's then meant to be given the human decision, I've got different cultural di- uh, differences, religious mm. differences and stuff like that. Yeah. So it, it's who decides. What people say is, I think that's out of order that people are getting banned for this. Mm. And why is that person not being banned for that? But you're, it's someone else is making that decision. So it's exactly the same argument. The platform needs and needed more people like you who would just speak their mind and call it as you call it. And I think half the problem is that the people there is an element of jealousy and people don't like people being that open and honest and and almost calling people out and i think that's what you think i think you're a victim of that more than anything else but, but even but even say if it was me so say if i was now put in a position where i sh- i should be allowed to voice my opinion and yeah. uh, or linkedin goes to me and say do you know what we would like your opinion on what content should be allowed 
then it, it's still unfair because then it's my opinion based on my experiences. Like it's in a strange way, it's almost like anything goes unless it breaks a law. Yeah. Yeah. Or not. And you have a completely sterile account where it's if you upset one person yeah. and it doesn't even have to be, and this is why I go back to the Jack thing. I made a comment that was aimed at Jack to say, Jack's a bit of a computer geek that sits in his bedroom wanking 12 ball mm-hmm. on his own content. And it actually was him at a computer watching Elf or so watching playing Elf. There's a specific uh, person that works for you basically yeah. with you. Exactly. He sits in the same office. Yeah. I know he's not made the complaint. He sits here. Right. However, somebody else has gone, I don't like that he's either used the word porn, you know, that or wanking, even though it was starred, I didn't even write the words, or they've gone because they said harassment and bullying. Right. I don't like how he's talking to that that person that posted that. And it's like, so it's someone else's opinion can get you banned and it doesn't even have to be linked in. It's, it's bizarre. Such a a weird and broken system to like judge. Yeah, but businesses if that was on insta or facebook would be fine but because linkedin is deemed as a business platform i think i think they put on this you know all that that's out of the business scope it's that who, who defines those barriers and boundaries i think it's i think it's and this well. goes back to the problem and that's why i say that like you know everyone was up in uproar when that guy said people who commit suicide are losers mm. and they proper went after him mm. and some of the things they were saying were worse than that guy's yeah. opinion right but equally if you think but, that guy's a dick you think he's a dick yeah but, yeah, you know, two wrongs don't make a right. But uh, you know, uh, he probably didn't mean it in that context. But he was, tr- he was tr- just trying no, to. No, he probably did. He, yeah. he probably did. But even so, he's probably doing it so he gets a reaction from people just like yeah. you, and you're giving the thing he needs. Like, yeah. it's yeah, it's yeah. not hard, you know. So how did you recover from that? Because you know, at the end of the day, mate, I I know how well you were doing on that platform, but yeah, well, any any time I wanted business to post and bring business, so like, how would you recover from losing like nearly ninety thousand followers? Mm. In the grand scheme of things, I wasn't that asked. Like, right. it was like a weight off my shoulder. Like, between so in the past twelve months, I've had uh, so I had Instagram that got hacked and deleted. Seriously, I had Twitter right. that got hacked. I had um, legal issues with my content I was putting out. I was getting legal letters. I had to pay four and a half thousand pounds in legal fees um, for a case that I won, by the way. Mm. But I still had to fuck about with stuff like that. So I was sick of it and bored of it I was getting probably between 100 and 150 messages a week from people asking for help or wanting me to investigate this guru or can you get my grand's money back she spent 8 grand on this and they had become just as annoying and they would be seen as super fans just as annoying and difficult to deal with as the actual entrepreneurs themselves and they they couldn't recognise that I see what do you mean though in terms of them just just kind of just trying to get a extremists of any any sort are uh, difficult aren't they yeah, like just be a normal person but no yeah. if you're an absolute super fan yeah. and you're telling me 50 times a day this guy's just stole three grand from this what are you going to do about it and if you don't yeah, respond yeah. in 20 minutes like you're yeah. a fucking entrepreneur yourself you're not responding <laughs> to me can't win why are yeah. why won't you do this for us so people just wanted a piece of it over and over again it wasn't yeah. just on linkedin That's it was true. twitter it was instagram it's like I'm, I'm a bloke that makes videos and yeah. content I am not going to spearhead your campaign to um, get back 50 grand that you've been stupid enough to spend with someone. Like, ultimately, the book stops with you. Stop spending money with these people. I think like, I'm just explaining yeah. how they do things. I'm not, mm. I never wanted to be no. your go-to guy. It was just, I was documenting my own experiences and journey. And YouTube is horrendous. Like, the YouTube comments are just horrible. Not, uh, not 
you know, it's just, so I just, I just basically stopped replying to many YouTube comments. I've not put a YouTube video out for like five, six months. Mm. Um, and stop responding to any messages because people just want, 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 want. And then if you don't yeah. give them what they want, then they'd say nasty. So me, oh. then it makes me realize, why would you want to help them anyway? If they're willing to just turn on you because you've not replied to a message for 20 minutes, mm. they're probably dicks. Oh, mate, it's a very energy-sapping life, isn't it? I mean, you, you, you talked about not really enjoying e-learning, but do you, do you see kind of the social media world or the virtual world as a necessary evil for you then, or do you actually enjoy it? Uh, I don't enjoy it. Like, well, like I said, like I've, my Insta got deleted. I've not started up a new one. Uh, my YouTube, I stopped responding to all comments. I've not put a video up for the five, six months, maybe. Right, right. Um, I don't need any of these things. And I think that's the difference between myself and a youtuber or mm. someone that needs to be in social media mm. their their life is i make money through youtube i i've got businesses and i've got a life that and businesses and make my money offline yeah this stuff is just yeah it was just to help people mm. and um just document my own own experiences i just wanted a place just to put them i only started youtube because yeah. a few of my videos got banned on linkedin i didn't start youtube to be a youtube it was just kind of put them somewhere where they wouldn't get deleted what's your general, what's your general perception of linkedin because i, I know that as, as you as you've said in the past and your content is about it kind of digs people out like the entrepreneurs the influencers the experts the coaches my view is that there are some great very validated uh people out there but generally what's your view of, of it all it's just a tool to be used, isn't it? It's just like mm. a knife. You put it in the, in the hands of a serial killer and you've got problems with it. Put it in the hands <laughs> of a chef. They're going to create something decent with it. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. It, you can't blame the tool. LinkedIn is only as bad as you want it to be or only as good as you're willing to put in and want it to be. Like mm. People are there for so many different reasons and want so many different things out of it. And that's the same as any social media. Same as drugs. Like. Yeah. You know, some people would say that, you know, drugs are bad or like whatever, but there's other people where drugs are actually good. It, you know, creatively yes. it helps them or it helps yeah. them with pain or, you know, it helps them experience things and enjoy things more. So it's not the thing that's the problem. It's the gimps that are using it. It's like, totally. it's you, it's people wreck everything, don't they? Mm. And, and when you're new on a platform, it's usually good and everything's new when you first discover it. New music, you find a new band, you love them. Then when everybody gets onto it, it starts to, you don't like yeah. it as much. That's what LinkedIn was. LinkedIn now, compared to say when I started in 2014, uh, worlds apart, worlds apart. Um, mm. Even like the people that were big and popular back then are, aren't there anymore or don't post there anymore. So yeah. it's just the same as anything. So I would say LinkedIn is just like a, you know, it's just a tool or, or a, something to be used. And it, that's your experience. You know, you can have as good or bad an experience as you want to. Very true. If you don't like someone, you can just mute them. You can delete them. You don't yeah. have to fucking report. Well, that's the other problem, isn't it? Why don't you just, if you don't like what I'm fucking putting out, block me or ignore me. Don't, don't. But well, equally, I'm so bored of the con controversial post alert. It's not controversial, is it? No. It's like you're all following the same copy and paste formula. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Everybody does a controversial post alert like once every two or three months. And everybody yeah. does a, here's me being, being, showing some empathy. And here's me being, it's vulnerable Thursday. It's just so, <laughs> but it's so obvious to me. Yeah, like, yeah. It's, it's not like that. It, real life isn't like that. I've started saying now everything's content. That's become my saying in the office. Like, oh my everything. God, everything is content. Yeah. Everything. I see what you're saying. On that point, on that I've, seen, I've seen something recently where it's like, all oh, these gurus make out they're the only people successful, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Check their post before that. And it was like, hey, people said that I couldn't do this, but guess what? 
post about how successful I am. It's right. like, I don't think some people see the irony in their own content. Sometimes. No, oh, totally. I get, I get that a lot. It's actually quite laughable, the paradox of that. But just touching on the vulnerability piece, the mental health, well-being piece, um, I put a lot of stuff out on that. I mean, what's your view on, because sometimes you're, you, you get called out for being like virtual signaling, but I, I think there is a place for genuine vulnerability, being yourself. What's your, what's your general view on that? And what sort of mental health journey have you had as well? What, do you mean being uh, vulnerable online? Yeah, just, yeah, well, basically being yourself. Yeah, like, if you're going to be vulnerable online, be vulnerable online if it's authentic. If it's you've thought, ah, oh, right, it's now mental health, mm. mental health day, so I'm going to do it. Paying something lip service is just as bad, I think. Mm. So if it's real, sound, but if it's not, I used to say, the humble bag's a great example, by the way. So if you've gone and helped people and raised money and done all this thing, that's really cool. If you want to post about it, so you get like the endorphins and the dopamine yeah. hit from yeah. doing that. All right, sound, you're probably a bit of a cop on, right? But say yeah. it's that, right? Yeah. Now, the worst to me was those that would pretend that they've done that thing. So they've... Wow, yeah. And there's loads of that. You know, yeah. that, there was that recently, there was that picture, that guy who sat in the pub with all his yeah. pints. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I saw this guy, so I bought him a drink. Yeah. Someone's actually done that thing for him, right? Yeah. But then there's about 100 people that pretend doing it. You're even worse. Not only will you not do a good deed... Mm. you'll now lie about doing about it. Indeed. And I think like they're the weird people, but in terms of my mental health, my mental health, is, I've had, um, I have to keep busy. If I'm not busy, I don't like what I, the, myself chat. So the worst conversation I have is in my head. So mm. I've always got to be busy. So I don't have to listen to it. Mm. When I sold the business and no longer had a clear goal objective and then had no job to go to, mm. I, found it difficult so i was applying for jobs like within two weeks so i was just applying for jobs at different um companies in things that i were interested in so i'm interested in property i was applying for jobs at estate agents locally and stuff like that um i would say my mental health has steadily declined since then as i felt like a loss of identity loss of purpose yeah um i hated not i hated the fact i hated being asked about the business um, I would find that people would ask me all of a sudden I knew the answer to every business question ever I knew how you could become a millionaire in the next six months because I'd done it mm. and I it was hard having to deal with that type of question and pressure but then also um, talking to people that were experts on telling me what they would do if they had my money or they should be doing money and when I say experts I'm talking about someone's mum at football someone's yeah. dad at swimming Oh, well, if I had that money, I'd just live off the interest. Well, you can't, mate. You get like 2% interest. Yeah. Inflation's almost that anyway. So you'd lose money. Your idea, you've just lost your money. So I was just, I felt, so I went dead insular and I sort of stopped going out. I, you're not working on a Wednesday. So you phone your mates and say, oh, what are you up to? You're trying to go out. Well, I'm working, mate. Mm. And all of a sudden it causes some sort of like different feeling towards you. And you feel differently about it. So even normal conversations were difficult. You might tell me when we were friends six months ago that your car's broke down and it needs 500 pounds worth of repairs. That's a normal conversation you might have with me in the pub. Yeah. Now I'm there thinking, shit, are you telling me this because you know I've got the money and I can help you out? Right. You might not be. Yeah. I'd about myself thinking, oh, am I a bad person because I'm thinking he's asking me for money? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I get it. Now you might be, now you might be thinking, I don't want to ask him about, I don't want to talk about this because he might think I'm asking him for money when I'm not. I'm just telling how my week's going. So mm. I started to like second guess everything and I kind of just started to become a bit insular and that mm. piled on weight, like look at me. But so now I'm on tablets. 
Right. Um, I take uh, citalopram, okay. 40 milligrams in the morning, and I take a tablet to help me sleep because I, I suffer really badly with not sleeping. It begins with M, I can't remember what it is, but 50 milligrams that night. So I'm on two different tablets. Yeah. So my mental health... But, you know, I've never found the need to post about times where I've got my life insurance policies out to check if they're paired out of commit suicide or any of these things, mm. which has happened a few times. Um, there's times recently where I thought, like, would it be easier if... Um, I wasn't here anymore and stuff like that. But, yeah. you know, I don't feel like at this moment in time that I need to publicly talk about those things. If, you know, I talk to people that I work with about it. I talk to a counsellor once a week and stuff like that. Yeah. So it's a big change. So I've got lots of things that are happening in my life, like private life and personal life. So like the breakdown of my marriage and going through separation and all these things. Um, it's not easy, is it, with kids? But, you know, and this is the difference between people that are genuinely struggling and then other people that that might not have been but feel like they have to make up a post. Yeah, you know, I might get a bit of heat for saying that, but if it's genuine, you've been through mental struggles, you turn it around and it's genuinely mm. positive and it helps people, great. But if yeah. you're making up a mental health story to, you know, yeah. you know, I point out, but in terms of mental health, what you think you would do if you earn a few million quid and how you think it doesn't solve your problems. I know it's a no. cliche that money's about your happiness, yeah. but it's, it's nice because it gives you opportunity, but what it also does is it means that you've got an awful lot of time to yourself thinking, and if you're not comfortable with that voice you've got in your head or yeah. comfortable with who you are or confident in your yourself, then it's quite difficult, and I've found it difficult at times, more, more so recently, especially with lockdown and the pandemic. No, definitely. Mate, I've lost you visually. I can hear you. Oh, you're back now. You're back now. Sorry. Yeah. No, thanks. Thanks for all that. I mean, that was a really, really interesting lens and you, you didn't have to say all that, but you're right. I think, I think, I think we've all got mental, well, we, I know we've all got mental health. We've all got our issues. And I think, I think, um, I think giving out general advice is okay. But when, when, when people are starting to force advice on, on people, everyone deals with it differently and you've got to do you. I think, I think you're, I think you have to listen to, have to listen to as many people as possible, but ultimately only you know what's best for you. And I'm pleased and encouraged that you're, you're, you have had therapy and counseling. Do you feel that that's helped? What, how has that helped you in any way in terms of being a bit more, as it helps you be more open or. Um, so the first two times I went, so I only just started with this new guy. Um, he's doing CP, uh, CBT. Yeah. So cognitive behavioural therapy. But the first few times I went, I hated it. I didn't like the NHS therapy that I got, the, you know, like talking therapies. I felt like the framework that they had wasn't very good. It was like, you know, on a scale of one to 10, how anxious are you today? Yeah. Whereas I felt like it forces you to lie. Yeah. Because if you're not feeling anxious at that moment in time, but you felt in horrendous two or three days before, you know you probably need help, but right now I don't need help. And that's, this is the hardest thing with some sort of mental health issues, I find. Mm. So I would then think, well, if I tell him I'm only a three out of 10, he's not going to take me seriously and he's not going to give me the help I need. So I'll lie and pretend that I was at the same score I felt I was on Tuesday. So I, again, I overthink things. That's my biggest thing. But mm. So I started to lie about my numbers based on um, yeah. how I wanted and another time as well I felt like um, I broke down once in the doctors and started just crying while I was sat there and then I, they said have you ever wanted to harm yourself and I said uh, have you ever thought about killing yourself basically suicidal thoughts and I said yes and they go would you ever want to harm yourself I said no I've never ever wanted to harm myself I said I've never self-harmed or anything like that in terms of cutting I've 
I've drunk yeah. and I've taken drugs or I've taken codeine and drunk wine together and stuff like that just to like chill out. Mm. But I'd never tried to self-harm in a sense of like physically hurt myself. Yeah, yeah. And as soon as I said I had suicidal thoughts, straight away they wouldn't let me leave and blah, blah, blah. And then that has always played on my mind where sometimes being too honest to people like that, they panic and they've got a framework and a protocol they need to follow where they think they're doing you a favour by yes. then keeping hold of you. It's like, yeah. I'm fine now. You asked me a question yeah. that I felt like two weeks ago. Mm. So I've had that. So mm. talking, does it help? Yes. One thing I've learned, especially with what's been happening in my personal life the last sort of 12 months is mm. communication such a big thing. Like I don't talk about how I feel. So things fester. Yeah. And then I uh, then sort of like play mind games. I've like sort of a Cold War battle with friends, loved ones, da, 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 whatever it might be. And then you end up losing long term. So you might as well just be honest with how you feel and very honest about what you want from things as well. Otherwise, mm. you know, that whole thing, you've got one life, live it. That's a huge thing, I think. There's no point sitting there being unhappy and no. festering in an environment you don't like and not speaking about it. You don't like it talk about it and if it's then can't be fixed at least then you both know what the situation is and you can kind of do the right thing i want to talk about the boarding school time in a minute but you have mentioned the marriage and separation uh, if it's okay to elaborate on that how how's that affected you do you feel that the mental health played a part in that what's what, what's what's happening with that at the moment yeah because on my side i don't feel like if you're struggling with mental health and you're not being able to fulfill the roles that you kind of sign up for and you become basically like a sort of a a negative person or a negative influence around um the people that you wanted to share your life with whatever it might be then um you start to become a drain on people. That's how you feel. Whether it is that or it isn't that, it's, it's another thing. But yeah. then if you're not talking about it so they don't understand why you are behaving and acting and feeling like this, it, it, it does put pressure on uh, other people. So mm. imagine if you've got, you know, husband and wife for two kids. Yeah. But then you're kind of like moping about and not being able to, you're not motivated and then you're, you know, bad eating habits and you're going to the gym and you're not, you firing on, not even firing on all cylinders, but the better or best version of yourself, mm. you then can become more difficult for other people. If you're not sleeping very well, you become irritable and blah, 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 all these different things. Mm -hmm. And my wife, um, she really tried with us. She would always say that, you know, you need to speak to someone, you need to do these things. And she's tried to help me so many times, yeah. which I didn't, like, which I didn't do those things because I thought, ah, it's all right. If I just, if I just got the business to X, I'll be able, I'll then, be able to sort these things out and that goes back to the very original point i said was it's not you need to be okay here first and because those other things don't help no so that's that the, the self-care and uh, looking after yourself is probably the most important thing because if you're unhappy now without money you will be just unhappy yeah. with money if you're not you see what i mean if you're not at yeah. peace i can't sit still and just chill and relax it's, for an hour i can't really, do that really interesting one because i admire you for kind of calling out you know, those, those, those entrepreneurs and everything. But do, do you feel that in any way that you're almost, what, what stop, what, what, what would stop you from putting out a genuine vulnerable post on, on is it is something you feel that you don't want the experience? I'm not allowed on there. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, but me. If you were, would you basically, or what, what was um, not doing that? It depends. It depends what the, my motive is. And, it, and I think it's a big thing. It's, and it's the biggest thing with the entrepreneurs. 
Like, if it's a genuine backstory, it's cool. But mm. if your motive is, I'm going to lie about a backstory to achieve something. So, yeah. if it was just to get people to sign up to my course or whatever, I wouldn't. Yeah, no but doing I, it. I'll, t- I'll tell you the reason why I do it most of the time is uh, genuinely is is to help myself and to help others, and it is probably in that order. And that's a quite a selfish, open thing to say. I, but it's I, not though, is it? It's not though. I, I always say this: like when people say, "I'm doing this because I want to have X." Yeah, and it involves you getting some money. No, you're doing it to make some money, and if it helps someone to buy products, mm. that's amazing. That's the that's the absolute dream, isn't it? If you can help people and make money yeah. as a byproduct, that's cool. Yeah, but I, I was just that's wondering cool. if, if if you felt it would help because I mean you, you've you've obviously got a lot of stuff going on there, um, and it's your prerogative. I, I just I know you're banned, but I, I feel personally if if you did that, it would. I think people would see you in a different light. But you, you know, you're not doing it for that reason. I think people judge people like you because you're quite fierce and quite harsh and quite opinionated. But you're also a fucking human being with as many or less or more mental health problems than anyone else. And I think that's the problem with but, what you do. You're but just it's, it's one of them box. things as well. But like, but but for who? Like you say, people judge me. Like, but which people? Like, I mm. I don't care. Like, yeah. Realistically, and I say this right: if you like me or you like my content, great. Yeah. Those people will like me pretty much regardless. Until I say something they don't like, they'll, they'll yeah. like me. Let's just say it's that. Mm. The people that don't like you aren't going to all of a sudden stop not liking you because you say, guess what? I take a few tablets and I've thought about killing myself before. Mm. They don't like you. So they will find the... So mm. you're almost pandering to an audience that don't care. And I'll go... I'll give you a perfect example of this. So the Samuel Eads interview I did, he recently tried to get that removed through copyright strike, which is mad because he's actually in the interview. Right. What, a, what, what a complete melt but um, so that cost that, that was a ball to try and sort out but he kept saying we should have a live debate so my audience and your audience go head to head and see who wins and I always used to say the same thing but what is the point because yeah. my audience like me and don't like you you're not going to win my audience over your audience no matter what amount of evidence yeah. I could bring or yeah. anything I could say about you will change their minds. You've got your diehard totally. audience. Totally. So, so I go back to your point, mm. making content for who? Exactly. Whose opinion am I changing? Because I ain't changing anyone's opinion that's already got an opinion about. And that's why you so, do well. That's why you do I think, I think people, the, the people who get it wrong are the ones who try and second guess. So if I do this, I'll get this feedback. It's not, your intention isn't that. Your intention is to put your, your, your fucking opinion out there and that's it. Whether people like it or not, that's basically it in a nutshell, right? Right now, but you're saying that, but then those people and yourself as well are the mm-hmm. first people to say, I got trolled for this, but then you can't whinge about that if that's what you're putting the content out for. Mm. Mm. No, fair point. It's an if it's my opinion, I don't care what people think, yeah. then... I really care about trolls. Yeah. And this is what I mean. They don't get the irony in that, in that content. No, that's, that's a fair, very, very fair point. So going back to uh, boarding school. Now, I want to delve into this before we kind of close, actually. Um, you were there from the age of 7 to 16, right? I mean, that is a very yeah. conformative, uh, structured kind of almost sort of militant kind of... Pr- I mean, how, how do you feel that helped you and how do you feel it may have hindered you? Uh, well, it helped me because I was probably exposed to a group of people and norms and values that I wouldn't have been exposed to if I'd gone to an army school. Mm. It meant that I didn't have to change school every two years. I could stay at the same school for all that time, which is obviously you'd think would be more beneficial to your results in your education. 
Yeah. It meant that I got more experiences in terms of sport. It meant I got to probably see more of the world because I had friends from all over the world. So if I had a friend from Spain and I could go to his house for half term, which I did, like, are things that I would do. Yeah. Um, it meant that I could travel and see, experience a lot more things. But um, when you're a kid, things are normal, aren't they? Like, so it was just normal to me. So it was as normal to me as your school experience was to you. And yeah. So I didn't see it as being unusual. As I've got older and I've spoke to more and more people, I've realized that my upbringing and my, it was more of a unique and, um, mm. um, yeah, was, wasn't as normal as I expected. Like I used to get 10 weeks holiday for the summer every year, mm. but my school days from even age seven was nine in the morning till five at night. Um, we had supervised, so we did lessons for that amount of time, which freed up the more time in the holidays. Yeah. But we'd have an hour and a half w- uh, worth of supervised homework every night. Six or seven thirty was homework. When you say supervised, um, so I'm watching you when you do it. <laughs> yeah, then you go to a classroom, bump, do your homework. Right. Okay. Wow. Um, but only for the boarders, because the day pupils would have their parents at home. So we had. So I would say it probably helped me in terms of my academic. Um, side yeah. it helped me in terms of my experiences and the people that I, I met but I also felt that my army upbringing had an impact on um, how I see things because I was used to like a two year life cycle like I would move house every two years I would have friends for just two years so I've always thought I never really made proper connections with people because I was used to moving so much yeah. so I never I've not got any lifelong friends I don't speak to anybody I went to boarding school with right. I don't speak to anybody I went to university with like, I don't have any friends like that. No. Okay. I don't have, like, I've always been quite a loner. Yeah. Um, Interesting. I slept in the same room as one lad uh, called Ben Nichols for eight years. We, we've never spoke to each other since the day we left school. Wow. And, and we, we shared a room from being age pretty much eight to 16. And I mean, I, 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 I've asked this question before. I mean, I, I think the schooling system personally has a lot to answer for. I, I feel like things like Bunsen burners and algebra and all that shit. I mean, how often do we ever use, use that? And I, I feel like money management, you, you touched on the fact it did help you budget, but things like compassion, empathy, mental health. School didn't. It, that was no. just my mum and dad's way of just giving me money and saying like, if you want right, it, you know, you. sort yourself out. So yeah. school didn't make me budget. Yeah. You know, something have to do that. But yeah, but all these things, the reason why we don't get taught these things mm. is if people realise about tax and realize about investing and compound interest yeah we wouldn't have workers that's true that's like true. yeah so the school system is designed to make good workers of course that's it because the system breaks if we're all millionaires oh totally the it system is. breaks yeah. if we all have got our own businesses yeah. we need people that don't understand these things and are happy to pay um well yeah. over the odds and not realize that they're getting fleeced by hmrc or all these things yeah like but that's and weird. also you're saying why aren't we taught these things how does anybody else know about these things? Now, we're in a day and age where there's so much information out there mm. that you can't blame the school system. Like, mm. how many millionaires and billionaires are there out there that are publicly, you can find out stuff about, I mean, real ones, not ones pretending. I'm talking about Warren Buffett puts out a letter every single year for free and tells you what he's invested in. Yeah. So, how do you learn about stocks and shares? Well, you don't have to learn. Just do what Warren Buffett does. He's the best person at doing it. He tells you what he's doing. You just have to read it. It's like... Yeah. You almost don't need, don't need to have been in school these days almost. It's all there for you, isn't it? Basically. Exactly. So you can't, like, list, realistically... And you're only there between nine and three. Six mm. hours. Mm. Like, what are you doing with the rest of the time? 
Yeah. Like, so I get it. The schooling system is broken. But what do you want them to do? You want them to teach us all how to understand money, invest, become wealthy. Well, then who's working? Who's going to be construction? Yeah. Who's going to be the bins? Who's going to be working for the NHS? Who's going to be working as That's very police? Fire? Makes a lot so of why, sense. So why would they change a the system that works as far as they're concerned? Yeah. That, makes, that there's a, a workforce that pays tax. That's, so as far as what the schooling system is actually designed to do, mm. make sure your country runs. Yeah. Right. It works perfectly. But then it's it, broken for people that realise it's broken, but those people will, if they realise it's broken, go and find the education they need elsewhere. So it works yeah. absolutely perfectly for the people it's designed to work for. Yeah. And that is not us, unfortunately. No. We are the working class that basically work on the behalf of those that know, further up the food chain. So your criminology degree, I think you said, how did how has yeah. that benefited you, do you think? That's not at all. It's, a waste of four years. Sound for partying and stuff for me. I would say university is the biggest waste of time ever yeah. in terms of education and getting into debt. I'm still paying off a student loan. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't teach you life, does it? Really? No. But then equally, it, it teaches you life skills for a lot of people. It's different for me because I went to boarding school age seven. Yeah. I remember going to university age eighteen and seeing eighteen year olds getting dead giddy that they could go to bed whatever time they wanted and they could eat whatever they wanted as late as they wanted. And I was like, fucking hell. I've been doing this since I was seven. Like, I don't get what the novelty is. So yeah. it's good for a lot of people. It's the first experience of not living at home. But mm. for myself, it was just a waste of four years. But equally, would I feel like that if I hadn't been? The, prob- the answer is probably no. I would have felt like I'd missed out by not going to university. So again, it, these are all yeah. things where I think sometimes, as you get older, you realise that is university useful if you realise it was pointless? It probably is. I get it. Yeah, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It it's made you what you are. You kind of have to go through that kind of stuff to then realise what exactly. What so there's things where I go like, oh, well, if I'd not gone to university, I could have earned this money in four years. But yeah. I only know that because I went to university. So it's kind of made me like, what a waste of four years that was. So that, that, that I might now be thinking, yeah. I can't believe it. I'm 37. I never went to university. I've not had that freshness experience. And mm. so, and this is why I think sometimes it's dangerous when people say this is what you should do, this is what you shouldn't do. It's just like, yeah, do what you want. Yeah, we'll all work. Get, you get something. what you deserve. Yeah, Basically. that probably makes my next question redundant. But I'll ask it anyway. Do Do you feel you had any? Uh, you have any regrets, or what would you do differently if you're 18 again? Um, do you know what my biggest regret was? Uh, is at the moment, and again, it's like, is it only my biggest regret because of what I'm going through at the moment? Is I wish I was just better at communicating how I feel, and I wasn't such a lower and thinking that I had to shoulder all these things and protect my kids and my, my wife and my family from certain things that I thought were a big deal, which turns out it probably wasn't. If I just told people I'm struggling with this and this isn't going well. And guess what? I invested during a pandemic. So I lost 50 grand here and I've lost a hundred grand here. Or mm. do you know what? I've got a villa in Spain. Oh, poor you. You've got a villa in Spain. Yeah. But it's poor me when it's not been rented out for two years. Yeah. You see what I mean? Yeah. So these are all things that I'd not told people about. And have contributed to me getting more and more stressed because obviously, you know, I've got this money and it's dwindling and I've invested in all these different things. And, mm. you know, I've invested stocks and shares, took a dip and I lost 50 grand. Right. I lost 72 grand in a month. Wow. And it's like, these are things that I wouldn't talk to people. I wish I'd been open and honest about these things. So what's my biggest mm. regret is not being able to communicate with people mm. um, better that I care about where I seem to be quite good at articulating things to people I don't really give a fuck about. This is what I was trying to say to you earlier, mate, about the impact you had on your entrepreneur thing was amazing, but 
for me, I feel that is it, we're all, we're very good at helping others and talking a good game about other people. And I think sometimes we do forget about ourselves. And I think that's, that's for, for me personally, um, me put myself out there really helped me. So if there's any sort of advice I can give you, dare I, dare I, I think if, if you can try, try and talk about it a bit more, but what, 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 what techniques and, and publicly and openly as well, what, what techniques or, or advice or anything would you give anyone going through mental health adversity? Any, anything you'd like to add on there? No, I know it's, it's such a basic one, but exercise, Right. So I weigh now 80, well, last week I weighed 87 kilograms. That's the heaviest I've ever weighed. I'm only five foot eight. Right. So I'm like 13.8 stone. Mm-hmm. That's huge, like from, from a frame. And I used to, I used to fight Thai box and stuff. And I used to fight it 68, 70 kilos. Wow. That's where I feel my most, even up to 11 and a half stone, between 11 and 11 and a half stone. Yeah. That's, I feel like I'm at my strongest and happiest weight. Yeah. I'm now like two stone heavier than that. And I've been doing exercise now consistently for the last 10 days. And my mental health is far better now than it was, say, like three, four weeks ago. And it literally is. Sometimes I used to look, when I was younger and I used to go to the gym, I'd see like, oh, look at that old middle-aged guy. Look at that fat guy, like on the treadmill, whatever, or try, trying mm. to do weights. Imagine putting all the effort in to look like that. That's how I used to think. Mm. Now I am that guy. I am that mm. guy now. And I realize mm. it's a... You go to the gym for your mental health, not necessarily to get abs or biceps or biceps. No, No, absolutely. It's just a way of, and having a clear goal, like now I want to weigh 73 kilos is what I've got uh, at home. I've got a little gym at home. And I've set myself a date that I want to weigh that. And now I'm just skipping um, calorie deficit and I'm doing weights. And I've just, my weight's now dropped off. So what, my 84 kilos now a week later? So three kilos in just over 10 days. It's amazing, man. And it's just like, that's all I'm going to do now. And now, because I've got, because like I said, I always need to focus on something. Mm. I'm focusing on that in my personal life. I've yeah. kind of accepted my situation with uh, home. Yeah. And I've gone, right, okay, then. I sort of wallowed and was upset about it and felt broken. I felt like I'd failed. We've been together 14 years, got two kids. Yeah. So then realizing, do you know what? I can't help anybody while I don't feel good about myself or I'm in such a bad state. So yeah. I'm going to work on myself now so I can be a better dad and I can be a better whatever I am to my wife and mother my kids. Yeah. We could now become better friends because I've not spoken to her for two years. Right. Wow. Okay. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. When I say not spoken to her, I mean as in about how I really feel. Yeah. So how can you be with someone that you really is kind of not... Mm. It puts it all into perspective. I mean, you've achieved so much. You've got that multi-million pound deal, but it fit. I get, but is it, like, this, yeah. this, this, I go back to this thing, like, is it, like when people go multi-million pounds, yeah, yeah. Um, Warren Buffett, that, what's, what's a million quid? A million quid is only a lot of money to people that, like yeah. us, working class people. Mm. In the grand scheme of things, yeah. I saw uh, Drake put a million pounds basketball court in his house. Yeah. Done. It's Just a so a million pound yeah. isn't a lot. Of, like who's so who's who's all this success to? Oh, I, know, to I mean, you, uh, it's you mad, see, isn't it? You see, yeah, it is. You've seen some of my stuff, mate. Just to talk about me a tiny, tiny, tiny bit. I mean, I, I built a twenty-five million pound business. I, I lost it all, and all this kind of. And I, I, I see me doing a po- this kind of podcast and me doing my purpose-led stuff, my genuine fulfillment as so much more of an achievement. I know it sounds. I know people will say, "Well, whatever, mate." I honestly do. I don't see that. I see that as a good achievement, but ultimately. It doesn't really mean anything. So for me, so on that, on that, on that vibe, mate, what is your future? What's your plan? What do you want to, what do you want out of life moving forward? Um, I just want to be, I know it's a a cliche, but I just want to be like 
content and comfortable in my own skin, just be able to relax and happy and just yeah. be at peace with myself mm-hmm. uh, and earn just enough money so I can enjoy that thing. Right. My happiest time ever, in terms of you want to put a monetary figure on it, because a lot of people do, was when I was paying myself £10,000 a month. There you go. Because it was more money than I could imagine ever having growing up. But it isn't enough to go absolutely mental. Like you aren't going to make, especially if it's monthly, I would have like six or seven grand a month left over at the end of the month after I paid yeah. everything I wanted to. Yeah. And so if you wanted to buy a house, you'd have to save a few months, you might have to save 10 months and then put 60 grand as a deposit out. So it's enough for you to be able to build for the future, mm. but not enough for you to go fully mental and completely lose the plot. I was happiest for that sort of 12 months in my life. Yeah. And then as soon as I got two million quid dropped into my bank account, because there was a few of us that the money got divvied up. Yeah. Um, when I got two million quid dropped in my bank account, I told don't come into work. And I was like, shit, now I've got all this money and every month you can see it going down by that amount. And it's Literally. when money comes in. So I was happiest earning 10 grand a month. If I could get back to 10 grand a month and be comfortable with myself, because I now I'm dealing with the problems that I've always had, mm. I think I'd be a far better person. So three year plan. I love, I love that, mate. All these grand ideas, if I get to this level, when I get to this level, actually, you, you have to... Enjoy- I'm guilty of it now. Honestly, yeah. I said to Ian the other day, I said, oh, if we just grow the business to this and then whatever, yeah. it's like, but you won't, Mike. You've already done that and you're still not happy. So you need to work on you now. But Ian's telling me to take a few weeks off work. He'll just go, just like... Go and do whatever you need to do for a few weeks and then just come back whenever you want. It's one of them though, isn't it? It's about, we, we got fallen into the trap of like, what about the here and now? What about being grateful for what we actually have, not being uh, disen, disen, um, disenfranchised of what we don't have? I think it's, the, the, I know it's, again, it's a, it's a fucking cliche, but for me, gratitude has been a huge, huge thing. What do you reckon? Yeah, I've started to do the same thing. So I was stuck in a traffic jam. Some of some plays football for more because he's a goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. I was looking at the M6 got closed like six and a half hour we had to sit in the same spot mm. and um, there was no cars on the other side because they closed the other side as well so we ended up getting um, out the car got the ball out and we were just playing football on the M6 which is mad <laughs> and um, he actually said to me I said like oh, was how that was horrendous wasn't it being sat there for six and a half hours and he said not really we managed, we played football and we just spoke we, me and you just yeah. spoke for ages we never get to do that and I just thought oh he's a kid and he's looked at a six and a half hour traffic oh, yeah. jam last I've just spent six and a half hours with my dad just talking and playing football where you're there thinking, fuck's sake, I need to be at this place by this time. And mm. what? so for him, he never got to training. And we probably had a, 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 in his eyes, a mint day, like just listening to music that he wanted. He could pick what yeah. he wanted to put on the radio, chatting. So um, just stuff like that. But gratitude's an interesting one. I've started, uh, you know, the six minute diary. So I just have to write three things that right. have happened that day. And yeah. I like, I've only started doing that recently. I found that's been helpful, but anxiety and depression someone said this to me recently and it really resonated which was anxiety is you're worried about things that haven't happened yet or might not ever happen yeah and depression are things because you're looking at looking back at things that you've lost or things that are in, in the past mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so really if you start thinking that if you just lived in the present day yeah you probably would go a long way to getting rid of your anxiety and depression and that's what i started doing especially with my um, relationship now yeah like, oh, wow, I've lost a 14-year-old, a 14-year relationship, blah, 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 I've lost a wife or whatever. But it's almost like, but actually, we're probably getting better on now, mm. talking and doing things with the kids and sorting things out. So in a strange way, just think of how good has it been today. My relationship's probably been better. So instead of being sad about something I've lost, yeah. think, oh, wow, I've had a brilliant day with, I'm a better dad now, I feel. Because, I think, you know, yeah. so it's almost like, so if you live in today, 
you will get rid of a lot of your depression and a lot of your anxiety. Like why worry about something that might never happen? Why worry about things that have happened already and you've got no control over? That's anxiety and depression. I think that's amazing advice. Um, and just just in closing, I think it's a Gary Vee thing. To add on to that, I think patience as well. I, I'm the, I have been up until recently the most impatient fucker alive. And I think sometimes our impatience can be the death of us as well. And sometimes the comparison, when we slow down and just think and actually, do you understand what I mean? I think we, we, ch- we, we chase things too. Well, we force things. I think that was, that's when things go wrong as well. Yeah, I think so. It's good to work to a plan. It's good to have a timeline. But if mm. you are... If you start thinking that you're going to have a million pound business in the next 90 days, like you're going to make yourself ill thinking that. Just be realistic and realistic goals. And But yeah. Anyway, forget Gary Vee. He promised me a Netflix documentary and he never delivered. <laughs> yeah, fuck him. <laughs> Mate, um, absolutely amazing. I could talk to you for ages. That was a really, really powerful thing. It was great. It's great to actually speak to you on a human level and just, you know, assist, feel your vulnerability, actually. In, in closing, is there anything you'd like to add? And also... Where's the best, how would you summarize what you do and where's the best way people can contact you as well? Yeah, so we, like, all the lessons I learned, and this is, again, why I think I'm great at content creation. I created content that grew my business from zero to eight million quid in two and a half years on LinkedIn. I've also got a YouTube channel, so I know what content people look for and what content resonates with your audience. So, my productions, we make pretty decent content that help businesses get seen and lead generation. So, it's a big focus on you make a video once, but it will continue to earn um, money in business for you for months, years after it's made. So I've got yeah. content that still gets thousands of views that's two, three, four years old. Mm. So we do that for business now through I Am Productions. So follow I Am Productions on LinkedIn. Um, follow the I Am team on LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, or go to IAMProductions.studio. We're helping loads and loads of content. Uh, sorry, loads and loads of businesses, especially in the Northwest, mm. create uh, videos and uh, content that generates them lots and lots of business you do you've done my banner for me you do banners you do the cover story as well you do all sorts of other stuff as yeah. well which is great they're, they're just small things that's because if yeah. we're making you like the best thing we do i would say is where we look at what are the top 10 15 things your ideal client's looking for yeah and create new video content on those things not just to be posted on linkedin and used once mm. but as in you know where do we go where do we go if we want to answer to something on youtube yeah so why Every business should have a YouTube channel. Not to be a YouTuber, but because that is the second most searched platform in the world. I think so. That's if you're not, if you've not got the set, if the yeah. video you posted on LinkedIn answering all those questions isn't on YouTube. You are shooting yourself in the foot. So we do that for clients. I do agree with that. I think just sticking your eggs in one LinkedIn basket is is is, is dangerous. Well, I've I've shown that. Like, luckily, I had by posting the same content on YouTube that I did on LinkedIn, yeah. I've grown an audience of nearly ninety thousand on that platform as well, but for no extra work. Amazing. No extra work. Mate, absolute pleasure. Really, really enjoyed that. Can't wait to release the episode. Thank you so much for coming on. The Purpose-Led Leadership Podcast is sponsored by Vincherry, the recruitment operating system used by 20,000 recruiters worldwide. I chose to partner with Vincherry because I'm a customer, a single tech platform to streamline the front, middle, and back office operations of executive search, perm, contract, and temp businesses. If you're looking for a new breed of tech partner, talk to Vincherry. They have Follow the Sun support with seven offices around the world. Check them out at vincherry.io forward slash Chris O'Connell for an exclusive offer for all listeners. Oh, <laughs>